0: All right, just picking up here with the end of Book Six. Um, this um, this this book kind of moves forward now into chapter, uh, page two forty six, where you have uh, Ma Kilman and Philoctet and the healing process, right? Which is an interesting uh, baptism um, image here, right? She creates a, a bath out of an old cauldron um, that uh, that looks like. Uh, a helmet a giant helmet from an infantry charge uh, as it's compared to on 246 she cleans it out and then puts and creates this 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 medicine in in that huge cauldron uh some interesting images obviously a cauldron is it, it sounds a bit like witch a witch in a way there's something magical about a cauldron i, th- I think some of that language is meant to connote the magical nature of it um, but then it says on top of 247 she led philoctetet to the gurgling lava. Trembling, he entered his bath like a boy. The lime leaves leached to his wet knuckled spine like islands that cling to the basin of the rusted Caribbean. Fascinating again, his wound and the island itself in the Caribbean. An icy sweat glazed his scalp, but he could feel the putrescent shin drain in the seethe like sucked marrow. He felt it drag the slime from his shame. I love that. And that's connected just just prior uh, if you look back on uh um on page 245 this idea um on 245 that third stanza down first part of of that part 3 it says um feel the shame the self-hate draining from all our bodies self-hate self-hate that's caused by the slave trade caused by a shameful past a, a disreputable past a past of of shame right shamefulness um for really from both sides, and he talks about that quite a bit the hatred the colonial has for himself and herself, the hatred that's caused by being oppressed, that's in the native or the, um, the colonial, uh, uh, the, the people, the, the peoples, the colonials oppressed. So here he is again. Um, He could feel the putrescent shin drain in the seethe like sucked marrow. He felt to drag the slime from his shame. She rammed him back into his place as he tried climbing out with not yet. With a rag sogged in a basin of ice, she rubbed his squeezed face the way boys enjoy their mother's ritual rage. And as he surrendered to her, the foul flower on his shin whitened and puckered. The corolla closed its thorns like the sea egg. What else did it cure? So here it's all kind of brought together. Uh, Again, this is page 247. Uh, This question, what else did it cure, is an important thing. Again, as I've made that point pretty clear so far, I think that we have this wound that has a double purpose. The wound of slavery, the wound of colonialism, the wounds caused by human greed and degradation, um, caused by those who have oppressed others, and caused in those who have been oppressed, um, but it's also all kind of found in this in this kind of representative wound in Philip Tet's leg. All right, um, Let's move forward here a little bit. There's so many images here to look at, but not really the time to do so. Um, on page two forty eight the bottom I love that. So she threw Adam a towel, and the yard was Eden. And it's light the first days. This is the rebirth, starting over the the purity, right? The purification Um, that's paralleled to Eden, a place of innocence, right? A place of of purity and innocence. All right. Um, Let's skip over now to Maud, right? Because shortly thereafter, we have Maud. Um, 254 is interesting. Second stanza. She knew it was coming, but when? Uh, that's Maud. She knows death is coming. And, and it's interesting how it shows that, that nature is, the nature around her. And is it is it, is it because um, they have lived here on the island, they have learned uh, to connect with the nature of the island, that that's, that's why that nature has been kind to her? Um, if you look at page 260, she smelt mortality in the oleanders as well as the orchids. In the funeral parlor, reek of stale water and vases. A little farther down, nature had not betrayed her. She smiled, lying in her bed. Um, what is it? Why Why does Walcott uh, describe Maud's death in this way? Uh, I think this is a bit telling, again, of his kind treatment of these colonial figures. These people who have been a part of the the oppression and uh, rule of St. Lucia all these years. If you look at some of the, the history of St. Lucia, it's pretty interesting. St. Lucia changed hands between the British and the French like 30 times or something like that. Um, It was constantly being warred over, right? That's why they call it the Helen, this desired piece of land in the Caribbean. And so it, it changed hands so often. And here the Plunkets are kind of representative of this British colonial power and kind of grotesque, typically, right? Separate. And yet, could it be that their love for the island has transformed them in a way? We do see a little bit earlier um, when Plunkett gets mad at Hector for calling him a honky um, and treating him as a tourist. He is offended by that, which I think is kind of interesting and important. Um, it's important because he doesn't want to, he doesn't see himself as a tourist and he doesn't want other people to see him as that either. He's ashamed of that identity. When he goes back to, to London, he and maud they don't like it. We didn't really talk about that earlier, but they don't like London. They, they feel disconnected from its colorless um, uh, lack of plant life and lack of life altogether. Um, They are unsatisfied in London and they long to return home, which they refer to as St. Lucia, which is kind of interesting for British folks. Um, So is it their connection to the land that allows her to smell mortality uh, that causes nature to not betray her and warns her instead of her upcoming death? Um, Because it's the next Stands, the next chapter on 260. The morning Maud died. He sat in the bay window, watching the angel hair blow gently from her face. That was Rose pillowed. There was his crown and wonder. A breeze lifting the curtains like her bridal lace. Seashells, seashells. The empire of cancer spread across the wrinkled sheets. Loosening from their ribbon, his fleet of letters sailed their mahogany bed close to a macaulay and a calf-bound gibbon, an empire's bookends. Um uh, so a couple here. Uh, Macaulay is uh, was abolished. There was anti-Jewish laws in England. Um, Gibbon is uh, the uh, there's a certain critique of Christianity by Gibbon. And so this idea of of the the Roman Empire as well, here this reference through Gibbon. Um, <clears throat> what is what is the reference here? Perhaps to, to Plunkett's kind of complex um, relationship to British culture, and, and, and in some ways his rejection of it. Um, all right, so on 261, starting with that second chapter with provinces, protectorates, colonies, dominions, this is a, a cataloging of, of empire, a cataloging of things that belong in an empire, References to Christianity, empty tomb, monument honoring. Um, that's a, a cenotaph on the top of 262. A cenotaph is an empty tomb or monument honoring soldiers of an, of an empire or country. Um, but all these things are references to empires, right? These are the elements of an empire. Why do they come up now? Well, in some, in some ways, it seems to me that these elements of the empire are what Plunkett wants to separate himself from. He's moved beyond them and now sees this St. Lucia as, as his own home. And so the things of the empire are now being rejected. All right. Um, on 263, this reference to Telemachus is a reference to the son of Odysseus who searches for his father. Um, that's an interesting connection between the narrator there was Plunkett in my father, much as there was my mother in Maud. This is the narrator's story as he connects himself to Plunkett. He himself is looking for his father in search of his father and connections to his father, as was Plunkett in some ways searching for his own identity. Starting on 264, the narrator intrudes interestingly into this chapter Um The narrator intrudes and reveals himself as a cadet in Plunkett's regiment um, many years before. Um, The funeral here kind of brings the people together. And it's mentioning questions on 265. uh, Fourth stanza down. Why should he be here? Why should they have come at all? None of them following the words, but he had such grace that I couldn't bear it. I could leave the funeral, but his wet ebony mask and her fish-netted face were shrouded with Hector's death. Could he, in that small suit too tight at the shoulders, who shoveled the pens in the rain at Plunkett's, love him? I'm talking about Philip Ted here, right? Why should he be here? Why, why would Philip Ted be here? Um, he worked for Plunkett, um, and, and Plunkett was this, this colonial figure in some ways, right? And this white-black tension um, is, is the—that's que- why the question is asked, right? Shouldn't they hate this white man? Shouldn't they hate this representative of colonial power? They don't. Um, it says here, where was it from? Where was this love from, this charity of soul, more piercing than Helen's beauty, running his face like the road to the farm? We sang behind Plunkett, and I saw a shield perspire over the words, his lips following after the sound. So why wouldn't colonial hatred keep them away? And so there's something here about these connections that are deeper than culture are, are the connections that are made despite culture. Uh, it seems a Walcott's narrator wants to push us beyond the colonial versus native tension into a human connection. And this perhaps is where true healing will be found when we don't see each other simply as, um, objects of a culture. When we don't see each other or, 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 or remove each other in ways that, uh, condemn us, um, by appearances or by connections, but rather when we approach each other as people in a personal, individual way. All right, um, on 266, I love this line here. Uh, fourth, Fourth stanza down. I was both there and not there. I was attending the funeral of a character I'd created. The fiction of her life needed a good ending as much as mine. That night by the tasseled shade with its oblong halo over her bowed hair sewing, I looked up from the green blaze, or from the green uh, baset with the major's face, from the ornate desk to see light going from her image. And that image was my mother's, whose death would be real, real as our knowing. Join, interchangeable phantoms. Expected pain moves me toward ghosts through this page's scrim. And the ghosts I will make of you with my scratching pen, like a needle piercing the ring's embroidery, with a swift's beak, or where, like a nib from the rim of an inkwell, A Martin flickers a wing dry. Um, There's an interesting kind of reference to connected suffering, suffering together. Um, He wants to attend a funeral of a character he created. It's so fascinating. He's entering into the suffering of all all these people that are involved in this story. Um, His example, I think, is an important one for the reader of this epic. It's, it's vital that we enter into the sufferings of others. It's vital that we don't remain separate, seeing people as other based on culture, color, creed, but rather that we connect to others through suffering and through pain. His own mother's um, death um, is, is impending, and we'll see that in Book 7, The Narrator's Mother. Um, but here it's referenced as a connection to Maud's death which again is a connection to someone else's suffering. Also some interesting points there about the writing process. Uh, there's something there we could, we could discuss at some point as well. I think um, at the end of, of Maude's funeral, that's when Helen says, I coming home to a shield and they are going to be reunited um, here from 272 to 277. Um 272 to 277. Ashil, uh, a shield does a traditional kind of dance performance where he puts on a dress or he cross dresses, which is kind of fascinating. But it is it has a very powerful um, effect. It has a powerful effect on on Helen on 274. Um, where let's see here. Where does it say? Um, she helps him get dressed and. It's an interesting passage where she's, she's, she has a, oh yeah, here it is on 276. She lifted the mitre, its pains like Easter kites. And with this, she fitted him. He straightened its spire with his huge hands and their rope furrowed calluses. Then he took up the wand and stood there in the mirror of her pride and her butterfly quiet kisses. He, this is a shield was resinous and frightening. That's a great adjective. resinous. Uh, that's what a tree is like, right? He smelt like trees on a ridge at sunrise, like unswaying cedars That's strength, right? Then he set out for the hot road toward castries. Um where was it that I saw her her comment was kind of fascinating here. This comment about her, where she um was very serious about what she was doing as well. Maybe that was earlier. Um That's all right. Uh, Just the point being that Helen takes this seriously. They they laugh because he's putting a dress on, but there's also this important thing that she sees in this traditional move as well. She begins to be attracted to this in Ashiel. his connection to his past, his connection to tradition. Um, It makes him stronger and she recognizes it. On 277, second stanza, like a lion's mane with a long running leap then a spin while he held the shaft low like a rod divining. All the pain re-entered Philoctet of the the hacked yams, the hold closing over their heads, the bolt closing iron over eyes that never saw the light of this world. The memory still there, although all the pain was gone. Now that's an interesting deal here because this is where the culture, entering into culture in some ways is an entering into history. And history may be painful and so, as although Philoctet is healed, he and 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 Ashiel re-enter some of the pain of the past, um, and so they f- they feel that pain, and yet um, the pain is gone, right? So the, there there's no more wound, but they re-enter and experience some of the pain by um, by uh, rehearsing these traditional dances to remember right? They remember the pain of their ancestors. They remember the pain of, in their history. And yet they themselves are not pained. Yet they themselves are no longer wounded. So that final stanza, Philip Tett, uh, to bow and pick up the coins on the street, glittering like fish scales. He let the runnels of sweat dry on his face. Philip Tett sat down and then he wept. Um, just a, a beautiful picture of, of how they connect emotionally through this traditional dance. Um, and the importance of that is is communicated here. I hope I didn't just lose you my computer. Just shut down. Let's see if it's still recording. Oh, it's still recording. Good, good. All right. So we reached the end of book six. I know this took a bit, but um, hopefully uh, you're catching it. It makes sense. And we'll hopefully talk more about this tomorrow. All right.